Hi there, and welcome to Magic Time. It is playoff time, and what better guest to have than the gentleman who's been pretty much the most regular guest on Magic Time uh, through the first two seasons, the Moncton Magic head coach and the now reigning coach of the month in the National Basketball League of Canada, Coach Gerald Salerno. Coach, welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, Scott. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. The sun is shining, although I know that the forecast for tomorrow says rain here in Nova Scotia, but uh, apparently one little last blast of snow, uh, maybe another snow day for the kids, one last one. Yeah, maybe. I, I hope not. <clears throat> just uh, My daughter and I just took the afternoon on uh, Saturday there and cleaned off the rest of the snow from our back deck, so uh, if it is a blast, I hope it's a, it's a small one. I'm ready to to just kind of get the spring summer months rolling here. Well, I saw the uh, little clip that you put on social media there with that major backyard grill. Now, when I put a comment that I could be there by around 9.15 the other night when you had that post on there with the barbecue, uh, I, I didn't get your response there. It must have got lost in cyberspace, Coach. <laughs> yeah, I must have. I just realized all the barbecue was gone about two hours prior to that. So uh, another time, though, this summer for sure. Always trying to get myself invited somewhere. That's the life of a lonely single guy, Coach. Always trying to get myself invited out. <laughs> well, when, you know, when there's good food somewhere, why not? Yeah, especially considering that uh, the only cooking I do is for myself, and I'd much rather have what I saw you cooking up on that impressive-looking grill. All right. Barbecue talk aside, let's talk about something else that, that's going to be super hot, and that is the playoffs, of course. The Moncton Magic securing number one seed overall in the National Basketball League of Canada playoffs. No matter how deep you guys go, you will have home court advantage. I know we talked last week how important that was for you, and that was something you wanted to achieve with the team. Coach, when we last spoke, we didn't know who your opponent was going to be, but now we do. It's the St. John Riptide, and uh, as you're a couple of days out here from tip-off of Game 1, your thoughts on playing St. John? Well, I think it's a it's a good matchup. I mean, you know, we had a pretty good season series, uh, you know, with the Riptide, a couple close games, a couple blowouts. Um, you know, for me, you know, it's certainly not the easiest draw, uh, but that's okay. I mean, you know, no matter what, any any playoff series that we were going to have, it was it was going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't like to make predictions, but I but I do think the way Halifax is playing, uh, you know, the way they played the last month of the season, I think. I think they're probably going to win that series with Cape Breton. So, you know, whoever wins our series with St. John, they're certainly going to be battle-tested and, and kind of, you know, I, I believe maybe had the tougher series in that first round. So, you know, it's, it's a, hopefully, you know, if we play well and we can, we can win that series, it's only going to have us, you know, more prepared for the rest of the, uh, the postseason. So, you know, like I said, it's going to be a tough matchup for sure. Um, but, again, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think we're playing good basketball right now. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to be a handful for, for anybody we see. Well, there's no question about it. You guys are really coming together, gelling, as they like to say. And you're going to get Nick Evans back into the lineup, which is a huge addition back into the lineup, considering how long he's been out. But now that you know that it is the St. John Riptide and knowing what you know about Coach Nelson Taroba and his squad, what areas do you see St. John being able to maybe pose some problems for you guys? Well, yeah, I mean, St. John's, a, I mean, they're they're an interesting opponent. I mean, because, you know, defensively, they're just, they're as, as good as it gets, you know, in the NBL. Uh, it's funny, you know, you look at some of their major statistics and, 
you know, the number one or two in the league, um, you know, when it comes to overall team defense and pretty much every major category points, points allowed per game, uh, field goal percentage defense, three point field goal percentage defense, you know, they rank very high on the flip side of that, you know, they're, they're the one of teams that tends to struggle a little more offensively, uh, not necessarily struggle, but it's really kind of more their pace of play, um, you know, because they kind of lock down opponents on the defensive end and, and they force teams much later in shot clocks, which gives them less possessions. But, uh, you know, they're, they're tough. They're certainly a tough defensive team. They're, they're disciplined. They're very physical in the style that they play. Um, you know, they have a lot of, you know, pretty good individual defenders. But the more so than that, they're just a great team defensive, uh, you know, oriented team. I mean, they just do a lot of things. It's five guys as one unit out there defensively. So, um, you know, if, if they're going to, pose us some problems. I mean, obviously it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball for us, uh, you know, the way they play defense. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see if they have specific game plans or kind of what they want to do in game one. And, and we'll just have to kind of make adjustments, you know, after seeing uh, what they're bringing to the table, but uh, certainly will be, it will be a challenge. And the St. John Riptide team and the battle of the five or six, we know it's going to be fun. But let's talk a little bit about this Moncton Magic squad down the stretch. Uh, you know, I said it a second ago, but you guys really seem to come together. You really seem to gel. Uh, you know, outside of Nick Evans, you were able to put pretty much your full squad on the floor for pretty much the first time the entire season. What did you like most about what you saw from your team down the stretch, the last five, six games of the regular season, especially that Ontario road trip to close it out? Yeah, we've just been so much more dangerous offensively, you know, really over the last 10 games. You know, we, we went 7-3 and three in the month of March. And, you know, in those 10 games, there was only twice that we were held below 115 points, you know, in, in a game. And that was actually both games against St. John, um, you know, interestingly enough. But, again, they're such a great defensive team. Uh, so, to me, I mean, the best thing I've seen is, is, again, the way we're kind of clicking offensively. Guys just seem a lot more comfortable. You know, there's a lot more of a flow. Obviously, adding Trey Kell uh, back into the lineup with, with major minutes and 100% healthy, you know, he just brings such a boost to our offense, you know, both him scoring and distributing, um, you know, just making the right decision with the basketball, finding open guys. You know, that that's where I just, I just really like where we're sitting because, again, I think we've just been so efficient and, and, and really dangerous offensively over the last month of the season. You know, I think we've still been fairly solid defensively. So, um, to me, I, I think we're coming into the playoffs kind of at the right time. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what this kind of little layoff uh, does for us. You know, it may take a quarter or so to kind of get things back clicking. But, um, again, I, I just love the way the guys have been playing, the way they've been sharing the ball, and, and um, you know, the offense that we've been able to produce uh, in the month of March. And you talked about that layoff. Uh, the last game action for the Moncton Magic was up in Windsor. That impressive 119-114 overtime victory against the Express. But again, that was back on March 24th. So you have had a good chunk of time off. Uh, what's this uh, off time been like in terms of how much time did you give the guys as downtime, like days off? What have you been working on in practice? What have film sessions been like? Ultimately, what have you and the coaching staff been doing with this team to keep them sharp and to get them ready for game one? Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was interesting trying to lay that, you know, those 11 days out um, because we were coming off a good Ontario trip. And like I said, things have been really clicking 
you know, we certainly didn't want to lose that momentum. Um, but at the same time, we, we needed to rest some guys. We really wanted to rest guys. We wanted to make sure that, that physically, you know, all 12 guys are, are as healthy as they possibly could be and as rested as they possibly could be heading into what will be a very kind of physically demanding series with, with St. John. So, um, you know, we got back from, uh, from Ontario last Tuesday. Uh, the guys actually had Wednesday, Thursday off. Um, again, we, we, you know, some guys were in physiotherapy with Johnny G and, um, but we gave, we gave those guys off those, those couple of days and, and that kind of still gave us a full seven days to prepare, uh, because we obviously knew the outcome of that Cape Breton St. John game on Thursday night. So Friday was kind of a lighter practice. And then, um, you know, Saturday, uh, excuse me, Thursday was a later practice. We were back in the gym Thursday and then a full practice Friday. Uh, we took Saturday off, you know, practice, uh, Sunday, Monday, have today off, although we have some, some individual film sessions with some guys later on this afternoon, um, you know, and then full practice on Wednesday, Thursday. So it's been trying to find that balance of rest and, you know, legitimate practices and trying to keep a competitive edge. We actually kind of had a, a mock game on, uh, on Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon, we actually played four, six minute quarters, um, just hundred percent game. Like, you know, it was timeouts and fouls called and, and everything like that, just to keep that competitive edge. And so, you know, again, I think right now we're, we we're good. Um, we've obviously paid a little more attention uh, to individual matchups and, and kind of how we want to play specific guys defensively. And, and that's been a lot more work in the film room, uh, you know, mostly for, for Mitch Rowley and myself. And, um, you know, we'll sit down with guys and we'll just spend more time just fully prepared on how we want to defend uh, this St. John team and, and where we feel some of our uh, advantages are offensively. And coach, you know, you've been around the guys all year. Um, you know, some of the guys coming on board a little later in the season, but you spend all the time with them, right? Whether it's game day, whether it's practice, shoot around film sessions, whatever the case may be in the last week or so since that final regular season game, what are you sensing from your guys, from the veterans, from the rookies, but what are you sensing from this group as a coach that you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I think these guys are ready to go, but what kind of things are you picking up from these guys just being around them? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sensing confidence, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, the guys are in a pretty confidence, you know, confident mindset right now. Um, again, I think that's attributed to, to how we've been playing. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a little bit of an edge on some guys too, where, you know, and probably even myself a little bit, you know, it's, it's funny this week off, you know, you don't have any games and, you know, we're focusing on St. John, but you, you know, you hear the, the buzz about the playoffs and people are excited. And, you know, I think maybe some of the guys may think that we're being overlooked a little bit, you know, which is interesting considering the regular season that we had. So, you know, maybe, maybe a little chip, maybe something to prove here in the playoffs. And, and uh, I don't mind that, that edge, you know, I certainly don't mind that at all. Um, you know, I think, you know, we've shown we've we've been the best team in the NBL uh, all season long. And I think some of our guys feel, you know, people are questioning that. They feel maybe, you know, people think Halifax right now is, is a hot team. And, you know, if that gives our guys a little extra edge coming into the playoffs, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, if they feel they still have something to prove, which we do. And that's, you know, that we want to become the best team in, in this Atlantic division, the best team in the league. And we've been working towards that all season. And I think right now, you know, we have the opportunity in front of us having home court advantage throughout to, you know, really kind of solidify that. And um, so, I, you know, I sense a little bit of that. I sense a little bit of that among our guys. Um, 
So, I, I mean, I think they're, they're ready to go. You know, we're, we're certainly going to find out. And, <clears throat> again, it may take a few minutes there uh, coming out in game one to, to possibly kick off a little 11, 12-day game day rust. Uh, but other than that, I, I think the guys are, are in a good place. And it should be a very, very good series with St. John. And certainly guys like a Billy White, a Corey Almond, a Nick Evans have been down this road. They're playoff tested, uh, you know, at the professional level. But some of your younger guys, like a Gentry Thomas, a Marcus Lewis, um, you know, a, a Freddie McSween Jr., while they've got while they've got high level basketball experience, not so much in the playoffs at the professional level. How much, if any, have you seen some of the veteran guys maybe talking to the rookies a little bit, or maybe kind of getting them prepared, if you will, for what's to come? Because it is a different animal in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, we haven't sat down and specifically, you know, talked about those things. I mean, I've certainly said to some of our younger guys in passing, I mean, you know, you have to remember, you know, Trey Kell, who's going to have the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a, he's a 22-year-old true rookie. Uh, Freddie McSwain is, is a true rookie. Gentry Thomas is a true rookie. Um, you know, this is Wayne McCullough's first playoff experience. Um, you know, so really, I mean, Brad States, this is only his second time in the playoffs. So, you know, we have a lot of guys. This is their first go-around in the playoffs, and, you know, I've kind of just been standing there like, you know, you guys have got to understand, like, this this will be a different game. It, it is a different animal, you know, and you just have to mentally be prepared for that. You know, be prepared for a, a more physical-style game, uh, a little bit of a faster-paced game, yet in the half court the defense is much tougher and it's it's much more of a grind. And we just have to be mentally sharp. And so we, we've commented on it. Um, I, I think, you know, Scott, no matter how much you say it, no matter how much you, you talk about it, those young guys aren't really going to fully understand it until about three, four minutes into the first game. Okay. And then they'll get the full understanding of, of kind of what we've been talking about. Uh, obviously guys like Corey and Billy and uh, Jay Caliste and, and guys that have been around, you know, they, they know, they, they understand what's coming and um, you know, they're excited for it. I mean, guys are, are excited for that. And, you know, I really think that they just want to kind of, grasp this opportunity that we, we've given ourselves with all of our work over the course of the season and and that's to uh try to win a championship on our on our home court and matchups always so interesting in basketball and you know it might have been a completely different style series had it been cape breton who was the four seed but it is saint john but aside from the player matchups on the floor dave tingley and i talked about this uh yesterday on a playoff preview that uh we did with dave about the very interesting and intriguing coaching matchup. I know that you and Nelson Taroba uh, have a lot of mutual respect for one another, but when you're breaking down film on a team coach and you're breaking down what the players are doing and, and the individual strengths and weaknesses of players, how much do you also study the coach, your opponent on the sideline and, and what they do and what their tendencies are? So how much do you break down and study what Coach Taroba might be up to and what might what he might be about? Um, you know, not much, not much because I mean, I'm a pretty firm believer in, you know, you want to go into a game as prepared as possible, uh, based on on what the team likes to do, what they do well, what they have done well over the course of the season, what their tendencies are. You want to be fully prepared on how you need to defend individual players. You know, we have to have a a game plan on how we want to defend TJ Maston. You know, how do we want to defend Frank Bartley? You know, these type of guys, um, you know, when it comes to, to Coach Taroba, 
um, I do have a lot of respect for coach, you know, I, but we kind of joke, like, you know, we've seen each other a lot over the summer, you know, we get to spend a lot of time in the summer, whether it's in Las Vegas or I saw him in Houston or in Florida. And, uh, so it's really cool. We've gotten to know each other pretty well. I think he's a great coach and, um, you know, he's been around the game for a while, but he's still a pretty young head coach. You know, it's just, this is a second year, it's a second go around, uh, as a head coach. Uh, but for me, he, he's very good at making adjustments in games. And, you know, that's what you have to prepare for the, the best that you can. You know, you really don't know what kind of adjustment coach is going to make and, until it happens. And, you know, in that next time out, you have to be able to identify it and then put your own counter in. So, I mean, really, it, it's kind of more, I guess, if you want to say studying the coaches and their tendencies, it will really be between you know, games one and two and games two and three, you know, that's when you're kind of game planning against what that coach may have done to counteract, you know, what you were trying to do. So uh, it's a little more on the spot, Scott, I think, than than what you may think actually preparing for a series, especially when you're coaching against a guy who, who is able to make adjustments in games on the flies that, that are, you know, productive and successful adjustments. So uh, I'm looking forward to it though. You know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. He's uh you know, one of my, my good friends here in this league, and uh, I probably talk with him probably more than, than most any other head coach in the league over the course of the season. So uh, it's good. I'm looking forward to a, another challenge uh, this year in the first round. Yeah, he's definitely uh, one of the favorites of Dave and I as well. He's always very accommodating and very kind to Dave and I when the riptide come in, uh, when, whether it's getting a, a pregame comment or whatever the case may be. Uh, coach, you know, again, just a couple of days away, and, and you can prepare all that you want, but you know this team well, and taking into account the layoff that you guys have had and, and the opponent coming in, as a coaching staff, and, and as you, as cor- of course, as the head man on the sideline, ideally, what do you want to see from your guys in the first seven or eight minutes to know that, okay, the rust from the layoff is off, they're into it, they're revved up, We've got our version of the Moncton Magic, but what are you going to be looking for? A couple of keys in the first seven, eight minutes that you can say, okay, I think we're going good here, or you know what? I need to bring the guys over and make some adjustments. Yeah, I, I really hope to see us, <clears throat> you know, look to play a little more up-tempo, um, which we have been doing. You know, we really have been playing much more up-tempo, and that's not even, you know, that's not just, you know, fast-breaking and, and, and trying to get, you know, quick baskets. It's it's playing more of an up-tempo flowing right into a half court game, kind of out of transition. And uh, I've been very pleased the way we've done that lately. Um, I think the more we can do that against a, a very good half court defensive team like St. John, the, the better off we're going to be. So to me, it's going to be about, you know, identifying the pace in which we're playing uh, the flow of, of which we're kind of playing on the offensive end, those, those first few minutes of the game, uh, that's going to kind of give me a, a very good indication as to, you know, whether we have some rust or not, you know, and and uh, that will kind of be the first thing that I'll be looking for noticing. The second thing will, will really be, um, you know, the individual defensive assignments, the individual defensive game plans that we've kind of put in, you know, are we executing those 100%? You know, if we choose to double team, you know, TJ Maston, are we fully engaged? Do we have five guys understanding that's what we're doing. Are we doing it on his first touch of the basketball? Um, you know, that that's what I'll really look for. Because that, that can really tell you, you know, are you guys 100% engaged? And, you know, it's very easy to, to see those type things when you, you've talked about something for a week 
you know, how you want to come out and defend in game one. And, and if it works great, if it doesn't work, then we'll make those adjustments between, you know, halftime and in game one and two. Uh, but it'll be, it'll be easy for me to tell. It will certainly be easy for me to tell. So again, I think being disciplined defensively uh, on specific players and, and again, the kind of flow and pace of which we come out and, and play with offensively uh, will be a couple really big kind of indicators for myself. And uh, I'll ask you this one before we move on and, and, uh, kind of get to a couple of other quick things before we let you go. I asked Dave Tingley this the other day because you've shown that you can play a really good defensive style. The last little while, you've opened up the offense a little bit. And again, it's going to determine a lot about, about what happens in the actual game and what St. John brings you, how the flow of the game might go. But I asked him, and I'm going to ask you, 180 total points. What's your prediction or what would you like to see, over or under? Oh, over, for sure. For sure. Uh, I mean, are you asking me what I'd like to see or what I think we'll see? Uh, <laughs> let's go with both. What would you like to see? I'd definitely like to see the over. I mean, no no question. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're under, you know, if you're under that 180-point mark, and that means, you know, it's a, it's a you know, very low-scoring, you know, 90-85 type game, I think that really plays into uh, St. John's hands. Um, you know, they're only averaging about 94 points per game on the season. You know, like I said, we're averaging about 115 over the last 10 games. So I think if, if uh, it's a low, low scoring affair, it's probably playing more into the hands of, of St. John. You know, it means that they've been able to, to kind of lock us up defensively. And, and I think, um, you know, if they're holding us to that number, you know, mid to low 90s, you know, then, then they're putting themselves in a position to win the game, you know, based on, on what they average scoring wise and what they normally do from an offensive output. So for me, certainly would, would much prefer to see the over, uh, you know, in that game. And, and I think we will, I, I do think we will see an over, um, rust or not, you know, great defensive team or not. I have a lot of confidence in the way our guys are playing right now, especially our first unit, you know, our first five, six guys right now have really been clicking in practice and, and, uh, you know, they've looked very good. They've looked very comfortable in the style which we're going to play. So, again, just having confidence in our guys. Um, I'd like to see uh, the over, and, and, and I think we will. Um, that's not taking anything away from, from St. John and, and what they do defensively. They're, they're very tough, uh, and we know that. But, but I like, again, where we're at and, and the way we've been playing. All right, so that will be Friday night, 7 p.m. Atlantic at the Avenir Center. Tip-off for Game 1 of the Best of 5 series between the St. John Riptide and the Moncton Magic. If you can't make it out to the Avenir Center to watch it live and in person, you can check it out on NBLC Live, the National Basketball League of Canada's streaming service. And you can listen to myself and Dave Tingley bring you the action. We should get a little bit of housekeeping in as well, Coach. Uh, I think this time last year... We did a podcast on Mitch Rowley's birthday, but here we are again, April the 2nd. It's his birthday, so happy birthday, Mitch. Yeah, happy birthday, uh, Mitch Mitch Rowley. I sent him a text message this morning. I'm sure I'll see him a little bit later on this afternoon. So, uh, you know, I know he's gotten a lot of messages. Uh, you know, we use this, this team messaging uh, app called Slack, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of our guys have been sending messages all morning, which is... Uh, which is nice to see, certainly deserves it. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday, Mitch. And I'd like to thank my personal assistant, Facebook, for... (laughs) 
about Mitch's birthday. Now, I didn't get a chance to make it out to the uh, the kind of team celebratory end of regular season function the other night, but uh, is is Mitch still the Moncton Magic table tennis champion? I think so. I mean, I you know, I actually I didn't play any table tennis that night. Uh, you know, I was on the pool table, and I you know I also played some darts that night. Um, I saw Mitch over there for a while. I heard a rumor that. He may have lost one game. I think he only lost one. But I, and I think I think that I heard correct. I think Wayne McCullough got him. I think Wayne McCullough got him one time. Now Mitch might have gone ten and one on the night. I don't know, but I think I heard a rumor that McCullough may have uh, may have gotten Mitch at least once on the ping pong table. I could be wrong, but I'm but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Well, okay. If that's the case, first of all, kudos to Wayne McCullough because he must be really good at ping pong or was mitch roley wearing an eye patch did he play with his wrong hand i'm gonna have to investigate this further coach yeah you're gonna have to look into it and i mean i know one thing mccullough has to be better at ping pong than he was at darts i know that for sure (laughs) but um yeah like i said it it could be hearsay but I, i think i heard right i think mccullough got him now coach now that you say that you guys are playing darts, I'm going to have to come and do commentary for darts sometimes because when I was a kid, I used to actually watch dart competitions and I used to love when the British announcers would give the 180. And then if it was a terrible score, it'd be like 65. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, that's, I've always been blown away at the kind of uh, following that, that darts has. I mean, you watch it on, on TSN or ESPN, and it's incredible uh, the amount of people that go and watch live darts, these these big tournaments, and uh, you see all these people in crazy costumes. And um, obviously, I think there's quite a bit of, of drinking going on and, and people having a great time, but uh, I've always been impressed by that. Yeah, some of those crowd shots that you see when a player makes a, an amazing shot or a really important shot, and the way the crowd behind and, and you do see these suds flying and, and other things it's uh, yeah it's pretty impressive to see and something else that's impressive to see in the crowds during march madness which segues me into talking about the moncton magic ncaa march madness bracket uh what's the latest update coach i think i'm kind of middle of the pack but i'm starting to make a little bit of move because of my virginia pick no, I think you're in a great spot, Scott. I think you may be in the middle of the pack now, but there's so many people that are completely out of the running, including myself, um, because they had Duke. I had Gonzaga, but but so many other people had Duke, and and there's you know they just can't obtain any more points uh, moving forward. Now you're one of the guys who absolutely can uh, with Virginia. The only guy in our entire pool who did pick Virginia, although you have some stiff competition because there's two other individuals in the pool who also were the only people to pick a single team. And that would be my lovely wife, Darcy with Michigan state and my eight year old son Camden with the Texas tech red Raiders. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be one of you three. We'll have to see who wins, uh, wins in the finals. And Camden coming up with the red Raiders. He must be electrified right now with the way Texas tech is going. He is, you know, and the poor kid, because he's so far behind. (laughs) He's so far behind right now. Um, You know, I haven't even wanted to show him the leaderboard, although he asked me at least, you know, every other day. Um, Yeah, he he has Texas Tech. He he picked Texas Tech because he knew a former player of mine uh, named Nick O'Corey, 
who was one of uh, one of Cam's favorite players when he was younger, uh, buddy of his. You know, he knew he played at Texas Tech, and that's why why Cam picked him, uh, picked that team to win the finals. And you know, that's a thirty-two point win in in our pool if you pick the winner right. So uh, Cam actually has the ability uh, to pick up forty-eight more points, which would probably uh, have him win the entire pool of of twenty-five people. So it would be impressive and. I know I'm certainly rooting for uh, Texas Tech this weekend. Well, that was going to bring me to my next one because, as you said, you had picked uh, Gonzaga, and actually the Zags looked like they were going to be probably one of the favorites to do it as they started to pick up momentum, but they're out. So knowing the Final Four, who's left, and and any Salerno bias aside, because I know that Darcy and and, uh, Cam have uh, the two teams that are still in the Vie, vying for it, but if you had money right now to put down on one team that you think is going to win it, who would it be? Man, I I would probably say Michigan State. And I think it, I do think Virginia is going to be in the finals. I do think they're going to beat Auburn. Um, I think Michigan State, just with their size, you know, Tom Izzo's experience, they have a tremendous Big Ten player of the year. Their, their point guard, Winston, has been very good. Um, I do think Michigan State, That if I had to put money down, I'd say Michigan State. Uh, you know, but a second pick, I'd say Texas Tech. I think they're just destined. I think uh, they've had an incredible run. They are by far the best defensive team uh, in the tournament, and they have just been on lockdown. It's been really impressive to watch. Uh, you know, if you like, I, I love watching the defensive side of the ball, uh, so I've loved watching their games. I think the winner will come out of that uh, Michigan State Texas Tech semifinal. But right now, I, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Sparty. I'm going to say Michigan State. Yeah, just the way that they seem to be really locked in right now uh, is impressive. And and again, we always talk about how much sports is so great because it's so unscripted. But that final play in the final seconds uh, of that Virginia game where they needed either a two to tie or a three to win in regulation and there was the miss. And then I can't think of the player's name who hit the game-tying bucket um, just before time expired. But in that scramble, the same guy who got fed the ball to hit the tying basket was actually the one who went up through the crowd and got the tip back that allowed Virginia to chase the ball down and get it. Did you get a chance to see that, Coach? And if you did, what was going through your mind? Yeah, I, I did. It was a really impressive finish. And, uh, I mean, not not you know impressive just on the guy who made the shot. And I can picture his name. I, I couldn't pronounce his last name if you asked me to anyway. I think it started with an AK. Um, but uh, what was uh, to me what was more impressive than the shot he made at the buzzer was, was really the, the point guard who chased that ball down and, and really had the, the peace of mind to, to know how much time was on the clock and, and felt he could throw a you know 45-foot chest pass <laughs> to a guy who could have you know time to get a shot off that's what was was really impressive to me uh on the final play and then of course having the poise to to make that shot which was really kind of an awkward shot that's a tough you know that's like an eight nine foot jump shot kind of floater shot and it's uh takes a lot of finesse that's a really awkward kind of shot that he made but it was incredible i mean the, the ncaa tournament you know this year some people may you know may say well there hasn't been many upsets and, and there wasn't a lot of cinderella stories I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take it this way nine out of 10 times where you really true do have some of the best teams in the country just battling and, and the amount of overtime games and, and last possession wins has been a, a lot of fun to watch, including the Purdue game the other night, which was just incredible. And, uh, you know, even the Michigan state Duke game was, was a great finish. So 
know, I've been having a lot of fun uh, watching March Madness and, you know, our schedule this year has, has kind of allowed me to watch a little bit more. Um, although I'm sure this Saturday for the final four, I'll be, I'll be fairly busy in between games one and two, but um, it's been a great tournament. Yeah, and I believe that Virginia player is Mamadi Diakite. I'm not sure if I'm saying Diakite. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that's his name. And yeah, no, it was very impressive uh, shot that he hit. Yeah, right now uh, he is my new favorite basketball player in the NCAA. No question about it. But. <laughs> well, listen, Coach, uh, we appreciate your time. Now, it's funny. I said to you just before we came on live that, hey, Coach, you know, I know you're busy. I'll try and get you off, you know, in, in less time than we normally do. And I sit here now. We're at the 33-minute mark. But that can't help it. We get talking and I get chatting with you and uh, the time just flies by. But I really appreciate it again. And, of course, we wish you the best of luck in Game 1 and throughout the entire playoffs. And look forward to seeing you on Friday night. Absolutely, Scott. Anytime. Thanks again for uh, for doing this and keeping all of our fans informed. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you on Friday night at the Avenue Center. You're very welcome, sir. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. All right. You as well. That is Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. He and the squad getting ready for Game 1 tip-off, Round 1, best of five, versus the St. John Riptide. It's the National Basketball League of Canada playoffs and it gets underway for the Magic, as mentioned, Friday night, 7 p.m. Atlantic at the Avenir Center. You can also watch it live on the National Basketball League of Canada streaming service, NBLC Live. A big thank you to Coach Joe Salerno for joining us once again. And thank you for tuning in and being fans and listeners of Magic Time. You are appreciated. Remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Scott Squire saying so long for now.